$100 million in midair and lost it. Now, to get it back... Recognize these locations? They'll make one man a hostage. You're not going after him. The truth have I got. And the other, a moving target. <laughs> Cliffhanger, rated R. Starts Friday at a theater near you. So what's the problem in which we rewatch movies from a youth to determine if they're problematic by today's standards? I'm Jimmy. And I'm Jen. Today we'll be discussing Cliffhanger, which was released in the US on May 28th, 1993, and in the UK and Ireland on June 25th, 1993. It was written by Michael France and Sylvester Stallone and was directed by Rennie Harlan. It stars Sylvester Stallone, John Lithgow, Michael Rooker, Janine Turner, Rex Lynn, and Ralph Waite. What's going to happen is this, Jen and I have thought of three problems this movie has, three each and the positive, and we'll just have a little discussion about it. And the synopsis says, a former mountain rescuer is pitted against a group of criminals who have lost their $100 million stash during their plane crash in the Rocky Mountains, which was actually filmed in Italy. But you know, um, After being persuaded to help rescue... A group of stranded hikers, he discovers that they are in fact a gang of violent robbers who need help to locate their missing loot. So, Jen, is this the first time you ever watched this movie? Yes. Yes, I thought that because it's an action movie. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm not even totally sure I had even really heard of it before this. Really? Yeah, I mean, I, I must have at some point, if anything, I worked at a video store, I probably shelved it at some point, but like... Yeah. It was nothing that would have ever come to my mind. Like, I I knew nothing about it. Right. Well, I watched this in VHS when it first came out. Um, I don't think I saw it in the cinema. I think I watched it in VHS with my friend Lee, who is still a Stallone fan, and we watched, uh, we watched it then, I think. Um, that was definitely the first time he saw it, anyway, because he would have been too young to go to the cinema to see it at the time. So, yeah. That's about it. And I've seen that a few times since. But it's... <laughs> I don't know why I'm laughing, because I can just edit your side out there. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, I watched this. Uh, this was edited a lot for uh, release in the UK, which a lot of movies in the 80s and 90s were, because BBFC are pussies. So it was edited a lot, but it was also edited from um, the MPAA as well. Um, despite the fact you watched this on a small screen, <laughs> what um, what did you think of the movie? Um, I actually thought it was okay. Uh, last week when I was telling people I was going to be watching it for the podcast, everyone was like, oh, that, that movie sucks. And so my, oh, really? Yeah, so my expectations were very, very low. Um, but I did, I did enjoy it. It's a great movie. <laughs> um, I think it's one of Stallone's best, uh, certainly one of his best from the 90s. I wouldn't know. I think this is only like my third or fourth 
movie I've ever seen with him in it, and that is including Guardians of the Galaxy 2, which he's not in very yeah. much of. No, but you saw, you've seen Demolition Man. Yeah. Well, yeah. He he did, had a good run in the 90s, a s- sort of short run, but had a, not a bad run in the 90s. Um, but yeah, okay, so let's just um start with the problems then, and I'll start with mine. And I'll start the problem with a positive. Okay. <laughs> the positive is the movie's gorgeous. Um, it's it's if you watch it in a bigger screen, it's just amazing to look at. It's all the like genuine exterior stuff just looks fantastic. Then how is this a problem? Uh, because the switch between the actual outside shots and the sound stage sound stage footage is quite jarring. Yeah. Because you can tell when they're on a sound stage. Um, so you're looking at outside scenery, it's filmed in Italy, it's absolutely stunning, and then it cuts to them running about a soundstage and fake trees, and mm-hmm. um, it doesn't even look like it's the same time of day, um, it's, it's, uh, I mean, they couldn't have filmed it in any other way, they couldn't have actually have had people running about and doing all that sort of stuff in, you know, real trees, real forests, but it's just, that's, that's really jarring to me. So what is your first problem? Well, I just wanted to add, in the first uh, scene, there were a lot of, like, that's where I really noticed it, is the, you know, the shots of, like, like maybe a close-up of Stallone or something, and it, like, the background looks so fake. Yeah. And yeah. it's just, it's so noticeable, and it, it mm-hmm. made me a little crazy. I did write a note about that. So my first problem, it's kind of two problems with one thing um so in that first scene first i'm thinking oh shit this looks fake and i'm like that's so lame um or Mm -hmm. not supposed to say lame anymore that's so something and uh (laughs) then there was a shot from like above from i forget exactly Mm -hmm. what the shot was but it made my stomach flip because i'm afraid Mm -hmm. of heights and i was really upset and i was like if there's too many shots like this, I don't think I can watch this movie. Like, I, yeah. will, I will get sick. But then in retrospect, I'm pissed that that was the only shot that made my stomach flip, because it seems like there should right. have been more in this movie. Mm-hmm. So I have a problem with the fact that the one shot was too realistic for me, but then that there weren't more of those kinds of shots. <laughs> because, because isn't that the fun of the movies, is like, if it makes you... it's It's like watching a scary movie, like... You hate being scared, but you love being scared. Yeah, yeah. It's the same kind imagine, of thing. Imagine it would be entirely different if you were watching this in the cinema. Yeah. On a massive screen. Um, because there are some shots, like, towards the end when you see, like, how deep that ravine is or, that you know, whatever that is, that the helicopter falls down. Mm-hmm. I mean, imagine looking at that would have been quite... Ugh, when you're watching it on the big screen, but yeah, I, I understand. But also, there is some shots where Sylvester Stallone is on the side of a mountain, um, and uh, and it does look quite. I mean, if you don't, if you haven't got any experience with that sort of thing, imagine it's like, oh, I I couldn't I couldn't do that. Yeah. But do you know who else has a fear of heights? Sylvester Stallone. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you didn't expect me exactly. to know that, did you? 
No, I did actually. Because okay. you, you do your research, Jen. <laughs> I trusted you. No, I love that he did this movie partially to get like to get over his fear of heights. Yeah, that's that's like this is so minor compared to that. But I really wanted to see Snakes on a Plane when it came out. Um, like it seemed like the kind of movie that would be really fun to see in the theater because of like audience reactions and stuff. Mm-hmm. But I'm we've talked about this before, especially with the craft. Like I'm terrified yeah. of snakes. Um, and I may have even told the story then. I don't know. I got uh, I. I didn't know if I could stare, watch a movie with snakes in it. And I just remember when I was still trying to decide, it was weeks before the movie came out, but somebody at work, it was when I was working at Borders, they made a display inspired by Snakes on a Plane, and it was just a bunch of books of snakes. And mm-hmm. I first saw it, and I was like, I have to look away. Like, I, I can't even look at a picture of a snake. And then I was like, no. And I just stared at it. And I just started, like, making myself stare at pictures of snakes to prepare right. me for seeing this movie that was going to have snakes through the whole thing. And mm-hmm. it was totally worth it. The audience was very loud um, in a way that I like. And um, for, you know, a few months after that, I wasn't so afraid of snakes and it didn't last. But yeah, I I, I wouldn't go this far to get over my fear of heights. Sylvester Stallone is, is a badass, but uh, yeah, I, I relate to the idea. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he didn't do all of the climbing, obviously. He had yeah. a double. But a lot of the time, you can't really tell. And his stunt double uh, actually bulked up. He got in more shape to, to look more like Stallone because Stallone's characters, um, you can see his arms quite a lot of the time mm-hmm. in the movie. So my second problem is the slow motion. Okay. We talked about this last time in, in the toy. Um, where they had footage it was sped up, and we both didn't like that. Mm-hmm. And I said that that for the next movie I've picked, the opposite is true, and this is it. It's <laughs> slow motion. This has bothered me since the first time I saw the movie. It's okay to do it once, yeah. But when when you have a couple of times where someone is screaming in a slow motion for someone to get away from a gun, and then the guns going off in slow motion and then the slow motion scrub hits and it's all very dramatic it's just like oh, that's uh, no I just didn't like it but like the scrub hits is part of what the BBFC cut out of no in fact the MPAA cut a lot of the scrub hits so those scenes would be even longer in the unrated version because there would be more scrub hits Hmm. It would be more sort of violent. So, you know, maybe maybe I'm quite glad that the MPA actually got some of this movie because if I watched the unrated version, I would have been more annoyed because it would have been more slow-mo. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. So what is your second problem? Okay, there's a point where um, Gabe's in the car and he's... Um, I think it was when he was in the car with Jesse. I this is why I try to watch the movies right before we record because it's been two days mm. and I already forget. It it might have just been when he was talking to the two guys, um, in the car next to him. But Gabe's um driving and he's talking, and he's l- looking at who he's talking to more than he's looking at the road. Yeah, and that's a big pet peeve of mine. I rewatched Say Anything the other day, and there's a scene um where. Uh, Lloyd is talking to uh, Ione Sky's character in the car, mm-hmm. and he is staring at her 
like 95 percent of the time that he's driving yeah it's it bothers me for two reasons one it makes me nervous because i'm always afraid a car crash is coming and two it's super unrealistic yeah you just can't do that you you can't that yeah it also sort of takes you out of it a little bit doesn't it because then that's when you realize oh this is just a car getting pulled yeah yeah you're very aware that it's a movie that you're watching yeah but yeah that was i had already gotten really angry about it watching say anything the other day and then when it happened in this movie i think it annoyed me even more than usual because i just experienced like I, it annoys me to the point where when i'm watching driving scenes where people are talking mm-hmm. i'm actively like paying attention to how often they're looking at the road and how often they're lo- looking at the person because i talk to people when i'm driving i don't look at them unless i'm at a stoplight or something like i don't i yeah, exactly i maybe a glance but only if i was on a road that like hardly anyone was on, like on and i knew yeah. really well like i i can't imagine just staring at the person i'm talking to while i'm driving well also though you just said that so yeah i imagine that that's what stallone's character is doing though i mean he knows the roads but it's i still wouldn't um, look at someone that long no, he do- he does it far too long. And when I was watching the movie, I was like, "Jen's going to say something about this." Because <laughs> he's- you he's- you mentioned the two guys in the car that he was talking to. Do you know who one of those guys are- is? Uh, Whistler. Yeah, exactly. No, I'm very familiar with him. He was also um on Gilmore Girls on a few episodes of Gilmore Girls. He's also in the movie um, House in Haunted Hill. Uh, that James Masters is also in at the mm-hmm. beginning with Lisa Loeb. <laughs> Max Perlich is in that as well. In in case anyone's listening and they, they didn't watch Buffy, Whistler is a character from from Buffy uh, that should have been on Angel, but never was. Exactly, because he just disappears. And, you know, he's supposed to be like this big thing. I think he was supposed to be on Angel and like the actor was unavailable. Yeah. And so they got Glenn Quinn, if I remember correctly. Yeah, I think that's what it was. Because I think it would have meant more if it was Whistler that died. Yeah. That's for our that's for our Buffy podcast. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> there's not enough of those. No. All we're going to do is just take out all the times that we spoke about Buffy in this podcast and the other podcasts that we've done <laughs> together and just sort of slice it up and put it out. We, we have enough content for at least an episode. Yeah, exactly. Oh, speaking of Buffy, can I just mm. say one thing? Of course. At one point... You see a bomb and, uh, like, someone said something about the bomb and the guy's like, you should see me bake a cake. Yeah. And it made me think of the Zeppo. Mm-hmm. And now I'm wondering, is that a thing? Like, was that just a coincidence or does anybody actually call it baking a cake? I think they, I think they do. I think it's sort of like, um, uh, slang, like underground slang okay. for... I think it's an actual thing. Okay. I don't know. I've never, I've never, I've neither made a bomb nor baked a cake. So I don't know. I'd only ever heard it in in that one episode of Buffy. So I thought mm-hmm. it was for Buffy. And for all I know, that's like Buffy, that line was inspired by Cliffhanger. Who knows? But um, yeah, because I mean, it, I, I'd never heard that. And I just like, I, I should have looked it up. I'm just like, is that a thing? Do people call making bombs baking a cake? Yeah. Uh, right, so my third problem is, and this is another thing that's bothered me since I first saw this movie back in 1993, I assume it was released in VHS here. It's John Lithgow's English accent. Nah. Um, appreciate what he's going for, and like, he's really just chewing the scenery, that gorgeous, gorgeous scenery. Mm-hmm. But I hate his accent, especially when he's surrounded by actual Brits. There's two, 
there's two British people who are actually on his team. One of them is doing an exaggerated Cockney accent, and then you've got Crystal, who um, is actually English. It's just the way he says things like bastard. It's just the way he pronounces that, and he says it quite a lot. You stupid mm-hmm. bastard. <laughs> It's annoyed me for like 30 years. <laughs> I just hate it. <laughs> so what is your third problem? Okay, you know I don't love uh, criticizing acting because I always feel bad. I always feel bad when you're like criticizing a person's craft. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but um, which is why I'm not meant for the internet. Mm-hmm. Janine Turner, I'm not really familiar. Like I'd never watched Northern Exposure or anything, so I yeah. can't say anything about her as an actress in general. And there were plenty of times in the movie where I thought she was she was fine. She was she was doing a decent job. But yeah. her scenes with Sylvester Stallone, mm-hmm. it's no good. And I don't know if it's the fact that they're more dramatic scenes. Mm-hmm. Or if there's something about Sylvester Stallone, I don't know. But um, her acting, it's like, you can tell she is acting. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, in a way where it's not very good. Yeah. It really bothered me. And But yeah. it's weird, because, like, in the other scenes, she's fine. Like, I, I think she's doing a good job. But mm. it's just those scenes she has with Sylvester Stallone. I mean, uh, Stallone gets a lot of slack for his acting, but... Oh, he's fine. He, I think he's, I think he's quite solid on occasion. Um, but that just takes me into. I wanted to talk about the Razzies. Okay. Um, because this movie was actually up for a few Razzies. It was worst picture, worst supporting actor for John Lithgow, worst screenplay, worst supporting actress for Janine Turner. Oh, that's not fair because I don't think she's that terrible. It, no, it's, I know. it's just certain scenes. Surprisingly, Stallone was not up for actor, because the Razzies have it out for Stallone. Um, he's, like, the most nominated actor in their history with, like, 18 nominations or something. Uh, but it won none. It didn't win any. So, you know, it was the same year as Last Action Hero that we've already covered. And that was also up for nominations. And I don't think that won any either, because Body of Evidence with Madonna was a thing. Mm. So that um that got most of the nomination. The Razzies are so mean. Mm-hmm. Well, when I was when I was younger and more of an asshole, like one of those people who gets annoyed if you don't like the movie that I like, like that kind of that kind of kid. Like I thought the Razzies were hilarious, but as an adult who's like, come on, man, someone worked hard on that. Like I just I can't. When we were supposed to be recording this last week, it was quite timely because they nominated a twelve year old. Yeah. Ryan Kira Armstrong for uh, Firestarter. Mm-hmm. Now, I've seen Firestarter, the remake, and it's not a good movie, <laughs> but she is not terrible in it. She is actually quite good in it. She's one of the best things in it. She's just in a bad movie, and it's not that's not her fault. The Razzies apologised because they got a lot of shit for it, so obviously, and uh, they removed her name, and then they've also upped the age to 18. So you have to be an adult now before you can get nominated for a Razzie. Mm-hmm. It's a bit late for that because she wasn't the first child to be nominated. The very first winner of the worst actress was uh, Brooke Shields for The Blue Lagoon back in 1981 when the Razzies first started. And she was 14. Oh, man. Can you imagine? Like, I know there's a documentary coming out about her soon that I really want to watch, but... um. Mm-hmm. 
where she talks about how she was sexualized so young and everything and Nate yeah. being so young. Can you imagine doing Blue Lagoon and going through whatever it is she went through at the time, having to deal with being sexual on screen mm-hmm. and then getting a Razzie? Like, I yeah. just, it's, it's not funny to me because I know that there's actually trauma there. Mm-hmm. Um, the only time the Razzies is funny to me is when it's like, the year Sandra Bullock won a Razzie the night before she won an Oscar and she mm-hmm. showed up and re- and got her Razzie. Like, I love hearing the stories about actors embracing it because mm-hmm. that shows a lack of ego. But yeah. um, I that that's the only time I like hearing about the Razzies. Yeah. Macaulay Culkin get nominated three times in one year. <gasps> For what? For Getting Even With Dad, The Page Master and Richie Rich in 1994. Okay, I can't. When he was 13. I can't really say anything about that because I saw Getting Even with Dad, but I don't remember it. But I, and, well, mm-hmm. no, I did see Richie Rich and I didn't like it. Never saw The Page Master, but so I can't, at least it's not a Home Alone or something. Yeah, but for acting, no. I mean, he's, he's, he was not a terrible child actor, so yeah. I don't understand why. They, they were just picking, probably because he did three movies that year, mm-hmm. they were probably just picking on him for that because he was popular at the time. And Jake Lloyd was 11 years old when he was nominated for The Phantom Menace. That poor kid. And I'm sure at the time I thought that was hilarious. Yeah. Because I thought he was terrible. But I don't think that's his fault. I, I no, think, it's I not think George, his fault at all. George Lucas isn't a great director. No, he's not. He's not great with uh, actors at all. But God, that poor kid. Can you imagine <laughs> being a kid and getting so excited about getting this movie? This huge Star Wars movie. And then everyone shits on you for the rest of your life. And it's not even your fault. Yeah. God, we're so mean to children. I know. I know. But the moral of this story is fuck the Razzies. So, who, who, you know. who, who, who's, who's the Razzies? Who decides these things? I can't remember. I can't remember the name is the guy who created the Razzies. I would say that they've gotten up their, so far up their own arses that they think that they're, you know, hot shit and all that. Mm. But. And that they can nominate children and it's all right. But they have been nominating children for a while. They're not really picking entirely terrible movies either anymore. They're they're just picking, like, movies that they feel as are easy targets. They're not, like... Well, it's because they pick movies people have heard of. They're not... If they were really going for the worst, they would go for, like... Um, more low budget movies with unknown actors, mm-hmm. but that wouldn't be interesting. That wouldn't be funny because we don't know who they are. Exactly. But uh, yeah, I can't. I can't believe this movie was nominated. It's shocking to me that this movie was nominated for Razzies. Well, and it's I. Well, they they also they nominated Stanley Kubrick for worst director for The Shining. The Shining. I thought you were going to say Eyes Wide Shut, but The Shining. The Shining. Yeah. Oh Jesus Christ. I hate that. That's why I actually, like, I wish award shows that they gave awards for movies from, like, 10 years ago. (laughs) Because, like, like, if you look at the Academy Awards, like, if you look at the Best Picture winners and stuff, like, The Artist was a great movie. It really was. Like, I really enjoyed The Artist. Never watched it. 10 years from whenever it came out, are people even gonna remember The Artist? No, people aren't talking about it now. Apart from us. And I only talk about it to talk about how no one's talking about it. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. It's, um, I, I think like one of the signs of a good movie is its lasting power because there are also movies like, there are movies that people assume were successes that did not do well, but they've like yeah. Fight Club and Almost Famous. Those are, it's been over 20 years for those. 
and they're still relevant. Like there's still people talk mm. about them. People watch them. Almost Famous was just a Broadway musical. Um, and those movies did terribly. Mm-hmm. Like that's not, and I'm sure some of the top movies from when they came out, no one cares anymore. You know? I know. But you find that a lot with the Oscars. It's, as you were saying, it's like, there's a lot of the movies that were nominated or won best movie or whatever. And it's mm-hmm. like, yeah, don't talk about it anymore. Um, the only reason people talk about Crash anymore is because Crash is rubbish. Yeah. And then, yeah. You know, it's bad when even the director is like, this shouldn't have won. Yeah. That was the year Brokeback Mountain should have won, right? Mm-hmm. Isn't that the consensus that it should have been Brokeback Mountain? Yeah. Yeah. So, my positive um, is. Okay. My positive <laughs> is um, the stunt work. Mm-hmm. It has to be the stunt work. Because the plane stunt alone is amazing. Where the zip line, one guy zip lines between two planes, mm-hmm. and it's a big plane and a smaller plane, and it is very, very dangerous. And stunt performer Simon Crane would only do that stunt. There's only person they could find to do that stunt. They said they would only do it for one million dollars, mm-hmm. and it still holds a Guinness World Record for the most expensive film stunt um, performed in the air. Let's not forget to mention that Sylvester Stallone reduced his own fee for the movie. To yeah. cover the cost of that stunt. I read a lot of trivia about Sylvester Stallone that I really liked. Mm-hmm. The thing about the fear of heights, I like that. I just like reading about, like, there's something about actors who are willing to sacrifice millions of dollars for the quality of their movie. Every once mm-hmm. in a while you read a story like that, or I forget who it was, but there was some movie in the past few years where it was some Chadwick Boseman movie with Sienna Miller where, like, he thought she should get paid as much as him, so he took a pay cut so she could get paid more. Like, mm-hmm. who does... I mean, it's easy to think, like, $15, 15 million is so much, so why not give up some of that? But, like, people are greedy, man. Yeah. And the idea that they'd give up seven figures, like, just to make a better movie, mm-hmm. that's amazing to me. And it's... Yeah. I, I read that, that, the, that Reddy Harlan was nervous about working with Sylvester Stallone because... He had heard that he tends to take over movies. Yeah. He, apparently they had no problems. Yeah, well, he, he co-wrote the screenplay, mm-hmm. and that he only really did that when he came on board the movie. It was a different screenplay, and he just sort of added bits in it. And he, do, he, he does that sort of thing. But I imagine that that's so he can tailor the movie to his strengths, because he knows his own limits, Stallone. Mm-hmm. I, it's one of the things why I like him. He knows his own limits as an actor. And he, yeah, Stallone's great, man. He really is. He's just he's just such a, yeah. But he does stuff like that, like give away a million of mm-hmm. his fee just to have this amazing stunt. And it doesn't even last that long. Yeah. But it's like, it was extremely dangerous. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was like, um, what was it? 15,000 15, feet in the air. And it could only be performed once. It was just like, that was it. Well, and I, I forgot that I have um, another piece of trivia I screenshotted um, that is along the same lines. It says, sneak preview audiences saw a scene where a rabbit gets killed by gunfire. Their reaction was strong enough for Sylvester Stallone to invest $100,000 of his own money to have the scene reshot so the bunny escaped. Mm-hmm. That's such a small little thing, but like, dude was like, audiences don't like this, so I'm going to pay for it. Mm-hmm. That's Yeah, absolutely. I need to watch Rocky. <laughs>
You've never seen Rocky. I have never seen Rocky. Right. Yeah. I Sylvester Stallone, like, certain things about him aside, like, as far as filmmaking goes and everything, I have a lot of respect for him. Right. Just from the stuff I've heard. The Rocky movies are actually really good. <laughs> I mean, even the ones that get shit, like Rocky Four, is still quite a solid movie. It's, it's fun, you know? It's just... I've never seen Rocky Five. I don't think. I've never seen all of Rocky Five, And I don't know why. Uh, because, like I said, my friend Lee, we used to, he used to watch those movies all the time. Mm-hmm. So I saw the, like, the three and four due to him. But, yeah, I don't think I ever watched Five. I wanted to watch Creed, but I was like, I can't do that without seeing Rocky first. That would be completely wrong. Yeah, well, you should definitely watch the first four Rocky movies. They get shorter as they go along. Like, Rocky Four is only 90 minutes long. I'm looking to see if I forgot anything that I've seen him in, and he did a voice in um, Suicide Squad, so I saw that. Yeah, he's King Shark. Like, I, you know, I kind of wanted to see The Expendables, and I was like, but I'm not the audience for this because I didn't watch these people in anything. Mm-hmm. Like, very, very few things. But the, the, do you want to know what the, like, even beyond Rocky, the one thing I haven't seen of his that is the biggest crime? Mm-hmm. It's uh, Tulsa King. Yeah. Everyone's watched Tulsa King. Like, I'm in Tulsa. Everyone here has watched Tulsa King. I haven't watched Tulsa King yet. Yeah. Like, I, I have a friend that was, like, in an episode or something. Like, I haven't watched it. And that's, if you're in Tulsa, that's, it's like, I haven't watched that or Reservation Dogs. Mm-hmm. And it's like, these are the shows we're supposed to be watching here. <laughs> and I haven't watched them. I, I've, I've really screwed up. You watched Watchmen, didn't you? <laughs> I saw a couple episodes. I didn't finish it. <laughs> now that i think about it i think it's that thing of like i have trouble um if i feel like i'm supposed to to do something like um when i was in high school there'd be books that we were assigned you know for class and mm-hmm. like i remember I, I wanted to read the outsiders i genuinely wanted to read it before it was assigned to me yeah i'm pretty sure i only had a few pages left like i don't think i finished it like i could never get my stuff read in time great expectations was mm-hmm. the only thing i actually read like got all my reading done when i was supposed to and that one i actually had to stop myself because i got ahead mm-hmm. um because i was really love great expectations but um or like if I check out a book from the library and it's due a certain date, like I can't, I can't watch things it, or read things if I'm supposed to by a certain time. So maybe yeah. it's like because I'm in Tulsa, I feel like I don't know, <laughs> I don't, I don't know what it is because I really, really liked Watchmen. I did. Mm-hmm. I really liked what I saw, and I'm, I, I haven't seen Leftovers either, and I don't. I'm a big Damon Lindelof uh, apologist. <laughs> Yeah, I was just gonna say apologies. <laughs> so you think you think I would have seen his stuff? Well, I know I actually yeah. now I remember why I didn't watch Leftovers. It's because um it came out after I had Xander mm. and Entertainment Weekly. Um, you know they would do a thing occasionally where they would publish like one screenplay page for something as like a little preview. Yeah, and they published the one for a scene where um a woman gets into her car, like she puts her baby in the car, and she gets in the car, and the baby's gone. Mm. And I got so upset just reading it. I was like, I can't watch the show. Yeah. I just couldn't do it. And I read the book. I read the book because of the show. I mean, I love the author. I'd read I'd read almost all of his books anyway, but I watched it specific or read it specifically to do that. But I think that's the thing with Tulsa King is like I feel like I'm supposed to watch it. Yeah, you don't have to. <laughs>
I get yelled at a lot for not having seen it. Really? Yeah, yeah. It's a thing here. It is a thing here. Like, you you are supposed to watch Tulsa King. But what if it's not the kind of thing that you like? Well, what if that's not the kind of well, show if, that I you mean, like that's to part watch? of the problem, too, is, like, I wouldn't want to watch it if it weren't, if it didn't take place in Tulsa. Yeah. Um, but it's the same thing, like, when Flowers of the Killer Moon comes out, I'm sure I'm everyone's going to be expected to watch it because it was filmed here. Mm-hmm. And we're we're becoming quite the filming town or state in general. Yeah. It's people take pride in it <laughs> and we're expected to watch these things. But Tulsi King was a really huge deal here when it was when they were filming here. Yeah, really, eh? I'm watching so yeah. Well, if anything, I want to watch it because apparently there's a lot of stuff they got wrong. Oh right. There's a place there's a place downtown called Center of the Universe. Mm-hmm. And it's this spot where if you stand in it and you talk you hear an echo. Oh, really? It's really weird. It's like this one spot. And my understanding is on the show, there's a scene with him and like his daughter or something. And it's like, they have this conversation. It's a really meaningful conversation. And if I remember correctly, in the show Center of the Universe is a spot where you stand and people can't hear you outside of the spot. Oh, right. Okay. And people here were really, really mad about them getting Center of the Universe wrong. That's artistic license. Yeah. Yeah. For the for the plot, I suppose. <laughs> yeah. It's a little Tulsa trivia for you. Yeah, excellent. <laughs> um, I have some notes. I'll go through them quickly. Um, the opening scene was parodied in Ace Ventura when nature calls, but it was a monkey that fell to its device and not a woman. Can I tell you something about that movie? Yeah. Okay. So and I want you to leave this in because I want to know if anybody else agrees with me that my friend's a fucking idiot. Okay. Right, okay. I need I need validation here. Right. So I have a friend, my best friend David. He anytime I try to recommend a movie to him, he says he's not going to listen to my recommendation because I love American Pie too much. Right. Okay. Like he is, I guess, horrified by my love of American Pie, even though he likes American Pie. He's horrified by my love of American Pie and claims he doesn't trust my taste because of it. This is someone who has lectured me multiple times. Because he was very upset that I hadn't seen Ace Ventura 2 when Nature Calls. Mm. Like, he's really upset I haven't seen it. Yeah. Because apparently it's a masterpiece. It's garbage. Yeah. <laughs> and I know it wouldn't actually mean anything to him, but if I could tell him that people on the internet think he's a fucking idiot. Mm-hmm. American Pie is a very good teen comedy. I'm not going to say it's an amazing movie. It's a very good teen comedy. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen Ace Ventura 2 when Nature Calls, except for the scene he made me watch once, which I did not find funny. Well, the, the one where he's hiding in a um, rhinoceros and he has to escape out the back end of the rhinoceros. Oh, no, but I think he did make me watch that one, too. <laughs> I forget exactly what happened in the clip that he made me watch, but yeah, I wasn't amused. And I didn't mm-hmm. even like the first Ace Ventura. Um, no. And I just need, oh, we'll get to that. I need validation that my friend is an idiot for not trusting my taste because of that. Yeah, especially if he also likes American Pie. I know he's like, just giving it, me shit. I know he's just giving yeah. me shit. But I can't recommend anything to him because he will immediately say that. Like, he won't listen to my recommendations. Yeah. It really pisses me off. <laughs> There's one thing that really bothers me. This is almost a problem. This is almost one of my really silly problems that I sometimes have. Um, you know, every time in any movie, really, from this time, like the 80s and 90s, when someone would lift up a lift up a um, gun, you would always hear the clicking sound. Yeah. That doesn't happen. It's just every time a gun moves, it's... 
It's like, that's not... Can I tell you one of my almost problems? Mm-hmm. I felt like the one of the meanest, most violent people was the black guy. Yeah. Why has it got to be the black guy? Well, the English guy was really quite... He, he's racist. The English guy. Yeah, he's so, his boy. Yeah, he also says black bastard mm-hmm. uh, about the about Leon's character. So he he's you know I think he's kind of worse. <laughs> I just think that the black guy was like he seemed more violent. Like he seemed more willing to just like kill someone. Yeah, there was I don't know there was something about him like he seemed harsher to me than than the others. Mm-hmm. And maybe maybe I'm just sensitive. I don't know, but I didn't. I feel like a lot of times when there's like the one black bad guy he seems to be the worst and uh yeah that bothers me he does say bitch a lot um (laughs) in one scene yeah uh but he does get quite a gnarly death so um and that i mean that scene a lot when the movie was released like i said earlier it was cut by the bbfc to get a 15 certificate and it was like 70 seconds of film was cut which is well it's a hundred feet of film, mm-hmm. apparently, um, and uh, they cut. They took out the violence, and they also changed some lines. That like put in some lines that were recorded for the TV version to cut out some language, and yeah, it's just crazy. And then it was cut even more for um, VHS, mm-hmm. uh, but now we've got it. We've got the that rated version. I didn't say my positive, did I? Oh, you didn't. Did <laughs> I didn't you? say my positive. Oh, no, no, that's what you had. What's your positive? (laughs) Um, My my positive is, I guess it's technically the movie in general, but what it is, is the the fact that I'm assuming the thought Mm -hmm. for a movie like this, and multiple people claim to have come up with the present premise for this movie, Mm -hmm. I'm going to guess the idea starts with just thinking about mountain climbers, Mm -hmm. thinking about the sceneries, and thinking like an action movie set in this setting. And then you have to come up with a plot for how there would possibly be this movie, right? With, like, yeah. bad guys and stuff. And so the fact that they came up with a premise that worked and th- yeah. everything, like, it just, you know, sometimes you watch a movie and you feel like the idea, the the plot came from somebody having a smaller idea, mm-hmm. like a setting or something. And it's like, it, it, yeah, yeah. it it's a ridiculous plot. But it works. Yeah, absolutely. Like the movie works, and it's it's cool. Like it's it's a it's a cool idea. Like even if I hadn't liked the movie, I would have been like the idea for it. Um, in general, it because that's got to be really hard to kind of figure out how to do. Mm-hmm. That's like about like people climbing on rocks and shit. <laughs> like yeah. it just it just seems like <laughs> logistically it would be really hard to figure out how to make this movie. Yeah, but they do it. Yeah, and I'm impressed. I'm very impressed with the existence of this movie. Even though a lot of it has to be filmed on a soundstage and it looks horrible, but the outside stuff looks amazing. So. Yeah. yeah, I forgot all about you. <laughs> I did too. Bloody hell. <laughs> um, this is my last note. Stallone was about 45 when he made this movie, and Janine Turner was about 30, I think, Okay, which isn't too insane. 15 year age gap mm-hmm. um considering she's she was 30 it's not as though it's like she was 20 mm-hmm. um but yeah it's not the most it's not the worst age gap in movies yeah but it's every once in a while you see like a buzzfeed list or something of the um differences in ages between men and women in movies mm-hmm. um like people who are 
uh, romantic interests and it is horrifying like there's so many yeah. movies where i didn't really realize how bad the the age difference was and mm-hmm. then you see it and it's it's so ridiculous and it's no wonder women have trouble getting work after a certain age because they're yeah. not being hired for age appropriate roles yeah now it's making me try to figure out the age difference between julia roberts and george clooney because i watched ticket to paradise the other day and i'm like that is more age appropriate yeah no it is i think there's only a few years between them it's a delightful movie by the way is it yeah 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 it was really fun i'll watch it eventually uh the um the worst one i think i know of is entrapment mm-hmm. um sean connery and Catherine zeta jones uh but i can't remember the age gap off the top of my head, but it was quite big. I'm I'm having to look this up because I can't remember the name of it, but I have a movie that really bothered me. Um, damn it. Was it Funny Face? Funny Face. Funny Face with Fred Astaire and um, Audrey Hepburn. Right. Um, there was a 30-year age difference. Really? Yeah. Yeah, and he looks old in that movie. Right. I have creepiest age differences between romantic leads and modern movies. So, um, Funny Face wasn't there. Mm. But it's got Silver Linings playbook. Yeah. What is that, 22 and 35 or something? He was, Bradley Cooper was 37 and Jennifer Lawrence was 22. I was close. I was close. Yeah. 16 years for the Wolf of Wall Street, Margot Robbie Mm -hmm. was 29. No, sorry. She was 23. And uh, DiCaprio was 39. And she was still really close to being too old for Leonardo DiCaprio because he likes to dump women at, what, 25? Is it 25? Yeah, yeah, something like that. Apparently he's currently going out with a 19-year-old. God, he's so gross. That's good to see. He is. Um, Edge of Tomorrow um, with Tom Cruise and Emily Blunt. uh, 20 years, 51 and 31. Mm -hmm. See, when when it gets into something like that that doesn't bother me as much. Like thirty one and fifty one doesn't seem that bad. If it was like thirty one and seventy one, uh, it, it's one of those things where it wouldn't be that bad if it was like an occasional thing, right? Yeah. But since it's constant, mm. that's where it's a problem. And it and it is it is tougher with something like Edge of Tomorrow because um, Tom Cruise does not look his age at all. Like I no. think most people would guess that he was like if they. I mean, obviously, you're going to be able to guess how old he is um, based on when his career started. But if you just showed people a picture of Tom Cruise and they didn't know who he was, they would probably guess much, much younger um, mm. than he is. So um, that that age difference, that's part for me why it doesn't seem so bad is because of how they look next to each other. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, as good as it gets, Jack Nicholson was 60 and Helen Hunt was 34. Um. Oh man, we need to watch that. I haven't seen that since I was young. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, indecent proposal um, shouldn't really be there because the whole point of it is there's an age gap. Yeah. Isn't it? It's like the whole point is that she's sleeping with an older man for money. Mm-hmm. Um, but Robert Redford was 56 um, and Demi Moore was 30. Magic in the Moonlight. Uh, directed by Woody Allen, so obviously there's going to be a yeah, gap see, in there. Yeah, see, that's the thing, is I was looking at one of those lists recently, and I'm like, are we are we really going to be shocked by an age gap in any Woody Allen movie? No, no, I'm just going to skip over that. <laughs> Although, wait a minute, 
Colin Firth was 53 and Emma Stone was 25. Anyway. Sometimes I watch movies like that, like, with that big of an age difference, and I'm just, like, gross. Like, I'm just, like, wondering, is it gross for the actress to, like, kiss someone who's old enough to be their father or sometimes even maybe old enough to be their grandfather? Like, I don't... Uh, just, it's gross. I know. Um, this one shouldn't really count because it wasn't a love. It was more platonic. It was lost in translation. Mm-hmm. Although... Bill Murray was 52 and Scarlett Johansson was 18. Yeah, it's it's so funny to me. Like, I knew her age at the time and I was like, why does nobody yeah. have a problem with this? Like, she was playing older. Like, she was married and mm-hmm. everything. Um, Scarlett Johansson looked older than she was when she was younger. Um, but yeah, that one always, always kind of grossed me out. Because it's not, like, they were platonic, but people see them, people see it as kind of a romance. Like, I, I bet if you talk to people who hadn't seen it in a long time, like, a lot of them would remember it more as a romance. Like, I think people forget it's platonic. Yeah. Uh, entrapment. Catherine Zeta-Jones was uh, 29 years old, and uh, Sean Connery was 68. Gross. So that's 39 years. Gross. That's just gross. <laughs> That's why it doesn't look so weird for her to be with uh, Michael Douglas, because he's still so much younger yeah. than Sean Connery. Also, the funny thing to me about uh, Catherine Zeta-Jones and Michael Douglas is I believe it's exactly 25 years difference. They have the exact same birthday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. That's amusing to me. That is, no, that is quite funny. Um, so, that must be weird for, I assume they have kids. I don't know if they have kids, but if they have kids, that must be weird for their kids, having to buy them presents. Anyway. <laughs> So next week it's uh, Jen's pick, and she has picked a movie that I have not watched since it came out in VHS. Uh, what is that movie, Jen? Malice. Malice from the same year as this, nineteen ninety three. I am it, really. It's. I thought it was yeah. ninety four, ninety five. Yeah, I'm so excited. I bought the DVD several months ago, and I was like, I'm not allowed to watch it until I do it for the podcast. <laughs> so I'm really, really excited. Yeah, yeah, nineteen ninety three. So interesting to watch that let's see if we can go through the entire movie without talking about Alec Baldwin um, so uh, that's all we have time for if you want to follow the podcast it's at Drop the Pallet Pod on Twitter, I'm also on Mastodon, find me personally on there, um, at ShiftyB on Twitter um, ShiftyBest.co.uk is the website Contact at shiftybench.co.uk is the email address. Shifty Bench podcasts on YouTube. And where can people follow you online, Jen? At Pilot Inspectors on Elon Musk dying Twitter. Yeah. Rest in peace, Twitter. Soon <laughs> it will be uh, gone. Because holy shit. <laughs> it's a dumpster fire, that thing. Yeah. So thank you all for listening. We'll speak to you all next time. Goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.